Hello, and welcome back to the Growth Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Lincoln Amstutz, and I've got a, a friend on today, a great guest, who I have been excited about getting on to the podcast. You all might be familiar with him. It's Dave Perret, and uh, before he jumps on here, I'm going to give a little bio about him. Uh, Dave is a Marine with 13 years of active duty experience and is currently in the reserves. He purchased his first real estate investment property in 2015 and today has amassed a portfolio of over 100 rental units. He went from a negative net worth to a millionaire in just five years. And now with over 40,000 followers on Instagram alone, he has the largest real estate focused media following for veterans in the nation. He spends his time helping service members, veterans, and families learn how to build wealth through real estate, investing, and entrepreneurship, and has even written a book about it. He's known by From Military to Millionaire Online, and it's with great pleasure that I welcome Dave Perret to the podcast. Dave, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, Lincoln. This is a long time coming because one of us, me, uh, you know, dragged my feet on hitting schedule and then messed up the... Uh, logging into the podcast and you know but here we are hey here we are i'm glad uh glad we can make it happen and for the for those that don't know uh when dave isn't traveling around the country uh speaking engagements and events he's actually based here in springfield uh where i am at and i've had the pleasure of doing some deals with you here in the past you know meeting up at some different um events and such uh, i was curious how long have you been in the springfield area uh, on and off, I guess, close to five years. So I was actually, uh, not that we knew each other at this time, but I was a recruiter in Springfield from 13 to 16, uh, for the Marine Corps, which is where I bought, that was when I bought my first duplex and I got married, uh, at the time. So my, at the time wife, uh, when I got out, this was her home. And so like, it just made sense. I'm like, dude, cost of living's low. Uh, I have most of my portfolio in Springfield. You know, if I can do this long distance, then surely it'll be easier in person. And then she has family, so there's a good support system. So it just made sense for Springfield to be kind of the home base when I got out in 2021. So I've been back here for about two years. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I'll probably ask you a little bit more about just being here in the Midwest and kind of investing and doing deals here versus, you know, some other places. But I want to start off by, you know, just kind of opening and asking, you know, you've grown and found success in in real estate investments and your media presence, you know, quickly, but also through, you know, slow and steady action over the past few years. Uh, what would you attribute your, you know, success in these accomplishments uh, in both of these spaces? And, you know, that for many can seem hard and difficult to get into. Yeah. So the, I mean, the real estate side is just consistency, right? Surrounding yourself with people who know what they're doing asking questions, you know, and then continuing to try to buy stuff here and there. And and the beautiful thing about real estate is even when you mess stuff up, if you keep holding it long enough, it seems to work out for you. Uh, so I've made a few mistakes and, and probably the more regrettable ones are when I made a mistake and I sold the place rather than making a mistake and just keeping it. Um, cause it would have been, I would have been bailed out on every single one of those, uh, already, you know, markets done some crazy things over the last few years. So it would have worked out in my favor. Um, like I remember I had a flip that I lost 30 grand on and I sold it, you know, fire sale to just get done with it. Um, I had contractor issues. It was my first like attempt at a flip and it was while I was still living in San Diego. So it's just stupid. And uh, I look back now and I'm like, dude, that thing would sell for more than almost double what the ARV was on that deal if I had just held it, you know? So, uh, but then on the, on the like media side or whatever, man, I would just say consistency. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm not a total idiot. I, I, I like to be strategic. And so like that kind of fits into the whole like content SEO side when you notice like people start asking questions. So you're like, okay, I'm going to make content about that. And then I'll make sure it's SEO optimized or search engine optimized. I hate when people redundantly use the last letter of an acronym as a word after the acronym. Search <laughs> engine optimization optimized. Stupid. Anyway, uh, you know, so that like if somebody is asking that question to Google, they'll find me. Um, you know, prime example is like, uh, I got a video that's about like REI SIFT and it's about like, it's just a review and it outranks the company themselves on YouTube. So if you type in like, what is REI SIFT or REI SIFT review, 
my ugly face pops up instead of the actual company. And then people find it and then they're like, oh, this was great information. So I, I, a lot of that style of marketing. So if, how much of that do you dive in and do a bunch of research yourself to, you know, improve the SEO and, and the marketing and, you know, even, I don't know, titles for videos and, you know, just all the, the metrics that help get your, you know, viewership up. How much of that do you dive into versus, you know, do you have like a team that's, you know, a marketing agency that you're hiring out for some of that? No, I... Not, admittedly, not enough time. I probably would have done a lot better had I focused even more on titles and thumbnails. Those are the biggest drivers, especially for YouTube. Most of my like research has just been kind of, you know, fundamental. What are people asking in the Facebook group? What questions am I seeing a lot? Like when I started getting in in twenty one, I started getting all these questions about cash out refinances because of the interest rate. And I was like, I need to make some videos about cash out refinances so that everybody knows. And then in twenty twenty. Three, it's been, you know, VA loan assumptions and uh, sub two and stuff like that. And I haven't made as much content about like the sub two side, but um, that's maybe that's because I want to go and pull lists and do it myself and then be like, oh, yeah, now that I've bought everything, this is how you do it. Uh, We'll see. But, uh, you know, so there's a lot of just like feeling out what people are asking. But as far as like the titles and thumbnails, you know, I was a one man show for a long, long time. I mean, I I didn't even know that this was going to be. Like it, I, I probably ran the brand for like two, three years before I took it seriously as a business. It was like, oh, this is a thing now. Um, so I was just horsing around with content, you know, and making whatever. Now, yeah, I'm building out a team. So I have a video editor and I'm working on my, my new assistant's going to start taking over a lot of the scheduling and publishing and planning for like timing for videos. And then I'm got a call next week with a copywriter who also does like graphic design stuff. So between the two or three of them, uh, in theory, I'll be able to get to the place that I want to be, which is essentially like, this is the idea, film the video, everything else happens. And, you know, they can split test the titles and thumbnails and whatever, but you know, we'll get there. It takes some time, but yeah. Yeah. Could you maybe give, you know, anybody that isn't as familiar, a little bit of your background and, you know, just where, you know, in military and then getting into real estate and content. Cause I do want to dive into kind of when you got started online and, um, you know, it sounds like that was a lot of it was the Facebook group and then it grew into other things, but can you give people a little bit of background on yourself? Yeah, man. I, I, uh, you know, born in, born in California, grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, 2007. I was a, I guess that would be like junior to senior year, uh, in high school. And I'm like, dude, I don't have money for school. I don't know what I want to study and I want to leave Arkansas. And the military looked great. Uh, my parents wouldn't sign the papers for me to join at 17. So on my 18th birthday, I drove my happy ass to the recruiting station, enlisted, and I came back and was like, hey, uh, I'm going to boot camp in five months. And they were like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, sorry. Bye. Um, greatest decision I think I ever made. Um, you know, I mean, maybe not. I got I got a son now. I should probably start saying that Jack was the best decision I ever made. But, you know, um, I think people One of them. inherently know that that's, you know, but I don't know if that's really a decision anyway, but it just kind of happens. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, it's a whole nother rabbit trail that this is probably not that type of podcast about how babies work. So um, <laughs> one of the greatest decisions, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. like that, you know, figure speech or, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal for me because I was just this like homeschooled kind of I mean, I wasn't shy, but I, I'd like tried to overcompensate for being homeschooled by building an ego. And then I was like cocky and, um, you know, no direction, no discipline, whatever. And so like the whole Marine Corps thing, like, I mean, it really fixed a whole lot of internal stuff and made me a whole different person. Uh, I had some adventures, traveled the world. I mean, I saw 13 countries in the first four years and the deployment and it was a blast. And then, so that was 2008 that I went to boot camp. By 2015, I'd realized like, hey, uh, I still have no money. Like I've done all the typical Marine Corps things. So I blew all my money on women, tattoos, booze, a little bit of travel, I guess. And then uh, guns, cars, truck, Harley, you know, all the all the things. Um, Not that I regret any of that. It was a good time. Um, But I got to this point where I'm like, wow, I'm working a ton of hours as a recruiter. Like recruiting duty is rough. And I don't know if I want to keep doing this, but I don't really want, if I tap out of the Marine Corps, I don't want to go take another W-2. So like, how do I 
replace that income. And so someone tried to sell me on Amway and, you know, the multi-level marketing, whatever. And I was like, in fact, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name him because you might actually, well, I don't know if you know him, but yeah, from my understanding, he's now in jail for, uh, <laughs> I went to thank him for like changing my life and found out he apparently like is a pedophile. So, you know, good stuff. Uh, um, get uh, I don't know if I really want to thank you now, but, um, you know, who knows, but I, I've never seen him again, but he tried to give me an Amway and then he, he gave me the Rich Dad Poor Dad book. And I was like, dude, I don't read. And he's like, here it is on a CD. Drive around while you're headed to high schools and listen to it. And I, I kid you not, like it was less than four months from when he handed me that CD to when I bought that duplex. And so that just completely changed, you know, the trajectory of my life. And then, and then things kind of went from there. Right. Just build it up after that. Yeah. And, and that was not, I mean, that was, uh, out of Hawaii? Was that that first duplex? No, actually, uh, that was uh, FHA loan here in Springfield. You know, unfortunately, I never okay. bought in Hawaii. That I, I tried, uh, but when I moved there, the VA loan had a cap of like seven twenty five, and the side of the island I was on, the minimum you were going to find a house was eight eight fifty, and I didn't have you know a hundred or twenty five thousand or thirty thousand to put down on a house, and wife was pregnant, so she wasn't cool with me doing a forty five minute commute to buy on the other side of the island, and it was just. I think we made five, maybe six offers on places, and we got outbid on every single one of them in cash. Mm. And I'm like, all right, well. And now I look back and I'm like, dude, like, I tried to buy those things, and I was like, oh, but, it, you know, it's 820, and I only can go 725. I'd have to come up with 25,000, like, blah, blah, blah. It just didn't work out. I remember this was, like, my first, like, era, so I didn't have any capital yet or any private lenders or any of that stuff. Um, come to find out, right, that anyone who knows Hawaii, that was Kailua, like the Marine Corps base Hawaii on the east side, the windward side. And uh, you aren't buying one of those houses for under 1.5 right now. And, I mean, these are like shacks, you know. So it's like, I mean, minimum, minimum I would have been up 30% on that, if not double. Um, and so now I'm, yeah. and, and it's and it's frustrating because everyone's like, "Oh, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's like, no, I I knew that, I just physically didn't have the funds and got outbid on everything. Uh, was trying seller financing and people weren't biting and and I just you know it just didn't work and I moved into base housing and now I still I'm like, oh man, that's frustrating. So that's like right. the one place that I wasn't able to buy that I really really want to wanted to, and the amount of equity I'd have right now would be pretty killer. Yeah. Well, to your point earlier, like you said, it's hard to lose in real estate when you just buy and hold long enough, right? Like if it, if something's not working out, but you can at least like make the payments, you can make it work for a bit, uh, it, the real estate goes up. So yeah. And it's funny that yeah, you kind of even knew that then it was just a matter of, you you know, just didn't quite be able to make it happen, but you got that duplex in Springfield. I mean, when you got that and you kind of did some house hacking, was and you're starting to get into real estate figure out what it's all about for you was it okay i want to get into this to like have some uh, a spot for a passive investment i can put my money into it and kind of just have a savings account for the future or were you like hey i want to jump into this full time soon i want to do you know active investing flipping all of these different things i mean what was the original goal as you started getting into it yeah so first off let's say that uh, passive investing in real estate is like a lie Unless you're an LP investor, anyone who thinks they're going to be passive is going to lose their their shirt. Uh, let's be real. I've got properties right now that are passive that I have under a property manager, and I'm dealing with city for this and city for that, and I'm like, I can't rent it for this because of that and easements, and it, you know the game. There's always something. Um, and I would consider myself to be pretty hands-off as far as most real estate investors go. And it's just not a reality that you'll ever be completely hands off unless you hire out like a full team or just go LP, um, limited partner for those who, you know, aren't aware. That's like when you just invest in an apartment complex through somebody else, you don't have any control. Um, great, great strategy though. And so to answer your question, um, I bought that thing just thinking like, hey, what if I can replace enough of my income that I can leave the, you know, leave the military? And at the time it was like $5,000 was my like freedom number, um, which is kind of funny to look back on now because I look at my like monthly income and I'm like, why am I still working? Oh, because what I didn't factor in was how much my expenses were going to track. I'm like, 
Like I brought in like 30 grand last month that I probably spent 28 of it, you know, and it's like marketing and whatever, not the end of the world. Um, and it, and kind of calculated like probably 14 of that was like, a ordering a rebrand and, uh, having a professional podcast producer come in and like help me rework everything on the podcast and like things that'll go dividends in the long run. Um, but at the time, yeah, it was just like a passive, like, Hey, let me figure out how to replace my income. And then once it worked and I was like, wait, I'm not paying to live here or I'm paying like a hundred bucks a month instead of five fifty, And then I moved out and I was being, being paid 150, 200 bucks to own the thing. I was like, this is cool. Like proof of concept. I'm going to do more of this. Um, fun fact that duplex, I bought it, uh, December 28th, 2015. I sold it this March. I paid 79, eight and I sold it for 165. So, hey. uh, and they cash flowed pretty much the, I think, I think I might have on like the high end put 10 grand into CapEx over the time that I owned it and it cash flowed maybe not every month, but every year for sure that I owned it, uh, you know, at least two grand. So I'd call it a win for sure. That's huge. That's huge for that one there. Is was it just the matter of, Hey, the market's great. I can make, you know, X amount of dollars on this and then reallocate those funds elsewhere. Or is that just kind of your strategy with these in general? You know, I'll have this, I'll sell at the proper time, or I'm going to get a certain property. I'm going to hold it forever. Uh, what was kind of the decision-making on that one and maybe in general? Yeah. You know, I actually had never wanted to sell that one. It's one of my, I mean, it was kind of sentimental. It was one of the better deals, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I had some places that I could roll it. And so basically I took it and threw it into CapEx on our hotel, which will end up ultimately being long-term. That'll be a much, much better use of the funds. Um, so I threw part of it that way. And then the other part I threw into, uh, man, I don't even remember those, uh, I don't marketing somewhere. I'm sure. I mean, that's basically kind of my shtick at this point. It's like, if I have capital come in, I've got like a whole list of things that I want to push the needle on. And I'm like, you know, like the rebrand is $9,200 for like full logos for all of my, uh, like my, my mastermind, my website, my podcast, uh, templates for everything full. Like it's, it's a full, you know, like messaging colors, fonts, font size, font style, font, like this kind of logo for that thing, this kind of logo for that thing. Here's the tone of the brand. Like it's a full, full rebrand, full marketing package, whatever, not a cheap thing. And it's been on the list for like four months. But it's also one of those things where, you know, I've got this hodgepodge logo and like this hodgepodge kind of website that I've just like built over time. And now I'm like, there's a quarter million people following me around. I've got 25,000 people on an email list. Like it's time to actually be like a uniform brand with like a really good website and and everything. So that'll probably make its way back to me within like three months, but it's still an expensive kind of thing. So, uh, you know, that's kind of where I normally throw stuff. It's like, Ooh, I'm going to do this and it's going to come back eventually. And then, and then when it does come back, I spend that on something else. And I'm like, ah, someday I'm going to stop the spending part and I'm going to save all this. It's going to be great. I think it'll eventually catch up because you're building a brand right now. You're building businesses and, and, you know, investing in these properties that are going to be, um, ideally making you some money here, you know, uh, on their own over time. I mean, for you, does the business side come naturally? Like, have you kind of always been that way of like, you know, good at delegating and, you know, wearing all the hats and such, or has that been more of a learned skill? It's cute that you think I'm good at delegating. That just shows how much I hide the chaos. It's like when people, you know, I had someone email me the other day or, or call me. They were like, Dave, can you teach me how you stay so organized with like your calendar and your schedule and being on point with everything? And I was like, bro, if you had any idea how much just pure chaos goes on over here, I was like, I'm late to everything, <laughs> but people don't, you know, most people don't see you know, because my version of late, I mean, today I was actually late because the internet wouldn't work. But like my version of late is like if I'm not five or 10 minutes early, there's a problem. And I'm never five or 10 minutes early anymore. So I'm always like rushing around like, oh, no, I'm going to cut it. You know, um, all that being said, like delegation does not come easy to me at all. Um, I, one of the things that I hired my new assistant was like, hey, you're going to have to pull stuff off my plate. Like I, I'm going to not know that I need to give it to you. So just yank it and take it. Like if you can do that to where I don't even, I'm like, oh shoot, thank you. Um, that we're going to be good. Uh, 
the creative side though, like the vision and the like strategy and the like uh, idealizing where I want to go with stuff. I think that side has always kind of been like, I've always been a wild imagination dreamer. Um, I've got some really crazy stories in life from where like people are like, yeah, you couldn't do that. And I'm like, it, it happened. And they like, it mo I, you know, I, I've always kind of laughed because I'm one of those guys that like, I almost have to take pictures when stuff happens. Cause when I tell stories, people are just like, nah, that's, that's BS. There's no way. Um, you know, like just weird things that have happened in life. And so I think like that side of the business has always been really natural to me is like being super creative, uh, with, you know, whether that's with financing or strategies or whatever, and then like visualizing and having big ideas and kind of seeing where stuff goes. But the like tactical side of it, no, not at all. That's, mm -hmm. that's the struggle for sure. Um, still trying to implement EOS and, and all this other stuff correctly instead of like, that's a really cool idea. Let's kind of outline everything and then we won't actually stick to any of the meetings, which is kind of where I'm at right now. Hey, it's all about taking action, right? Is just step by step, you know, we, we get there. Cause yeah, for me, it kind of, you know, maybe in an opposite way, like the creative side, like trying to figure out where to take things. Uh, can be a bit of the struggle, but like, yeah, I love like creating systems and the delegation and, you know, in-house, like what are my guys doing? You know, that comes a little more naturally, but at the end of the day, it's just taking action day by day, figuring it out, working on growing the business instead of just in the business as much as possible is, uh, is a big thing. Uh, and so I kind of wanted to go and, and ask you on the property side, I'm sure you get, you know, being well networked at this point and, and um, knowing people around, you know, the U S I'm sure you get good deals sent to you for properties all over, um, and solid deals too. I mean, are you primarily investing here in the Midwest still? Are you doing deals elsewhere and, and kind of what's your decision-making on the deals that you'll pick up? Yep. Yeah, most of the stuff that I'm like actively buying right now is still in this area. Um, I love, this area. Um, I usually try not to talk about this area with people, but I, I think, I mean, since you've already mentioned it, we both live here. Um, we could probably go on for a long, long, long time about what we both see Springfield turning into, but I'm convinced that it's going to double in the next like five years as far as values. Um, maybe not everywhere, but like the median home price in the nation is 440 and we're at like half of that. And we just got what, four Whataburgers, a Bucky's inbound, a second Amazon facility, like there's four billionaires who live here and they've all got pretty rad companies. No one's ever heard of, you know, Bass Pro or O'Reilly Auto Parts though. So, uh, you know, so everybody thinks like Springfield's this like ho-hum, podunk, whatever. And I'm like, dude, the taxes are great. The economy like cares about growing. They're very entrepreneur, like business friendly. Um, there's a ton of killer entrepreneurs in town and it's just like this hotbed that's just waiting to like, you know, I mean, warehouse cost to build is what, $6, $7 a square foot. So it's just ripe for commercial mm -hmm. stuff to move in. So it doesn't really make sense for me to go elsewhere. I get so many deals here. I mean, you saw me one this morning that I'm, I might, I, I might see if I, if my contractor has time today or tomorrow, I'll probably, uh, probably tomorrow, but I'll probably go walk it. Um, yeah. And, you know, so it's like, all right, well, if I can buy that and use private money and then burr out of it, and not have a single dollar invested in it and still own it. And it's going to hold, you know, even break even on cash flow. Why would I not do that when I could, you know, so, but on the, I do own stuff or have part ownership in stuff out of state, but it's mostly things that I've like helped raise money for, um, or, or been like a GP member of a syndication. So like there's some stuff in, uh, 670 door portfolio of five apartments in North Carolina and Kentucky that I own, you know, I mean, a minuscule part piece of, and there's one in, uh, Columbia, South Carolina, same thing. And then, uh, there's one that I actually, assuming it closes, we just had some weird financing hiccups. Um, but assuming everything goes well with closing this one, knock on wood, uh, I'll have a pretty significant chunk of the GP on a $11 million hotel deal. It's like a 130 keys in, uh, in Townsend, Tennessee. So it's like two miles outside the Smokies on like the quieter side and uh, it's a super cool property. Uh, the return on it, it's kind of funny because we tell people it's like three X equity multiple in like 
five to 10 years and everybody's like, wow, that seems incredible. And we're like, it's eh, actually really conservative because we knew that if we put it any higher, people would just call BS. Um, but I'm really stoked about what that one could potentially do just because it's, it's a hotel that doesn't really have any issues other than it needs to be mo modernized a bit. And the guy, like it's, it's all ops, ops and marketing issues. And so it's like super easy for me and my, my partner on this, the guy who, who's the lead sponsor to fix, because he's great at the ops and the design and the rebrand. And I am pretty damn savvy at, you know, Google business profiles and reviews and marketing and like, Hey, here's how we get people to leave reviews that don't suck. And there's like one YouTube video about the property and the guy just basically left this review where he's like, this is a really cool property, but I'm not staying here because of how dirty the bathroom was. Mm. And so it's like, all right, go get him to make another video, make some other people make videos to replace it. Um, it's right next to the tail of the dragon. So get all my supercar buddies to go, you know, post about staying there, let them all stay for free and then post about them staying at the hotel. You know, all those basic things. Cause it's like, Anyway, that's a really, I could just, I'm just going to start rambling about that at this point. It doesn't even matter. But, uh, but yeah, I, most of what I, like if I'm the direct owner or operator, it's in Missouri. And then the stuff that's out of Missouri, I'm usually more of a, uh, like consultant or capital partner. Do you have a, a preference or maybe a leaning towards one or the other? Because obviously when you have total control, on something here, you know, locally in your backyard, you know, you know, the market super well, you can, you know, find these deals, you're, you know, maybe full hundred percent owner, uh, you experience all the appreciation risk, everything there, but you know, maybe it's a smaller scale than, you know, some of these massive deals that you can take down with other people. Um, like, do you see one or the other edging out as far as, okay, there's gonna be a lot more growth and potential for me here, or does it just make sense to do, you know, a little bit of both and see where they go? You know, I I don't enjoy the ops side as much anymore uh, just because I've got so much stuff going on. It seems to be like a distraction. So most of the stuff here, even I'm trying to transition more to like partnerships with a friend of mine who's really good at the ops side, uh, you know, Marty. Um, so like I try to do stuff with Marty a decent amount because we have this RV park that we own together and he has almost tripled the revenue in the last year. And I've done, I mean, I have a smaller piece of equity on this one because I just brought people together, so they gave me like a small stake. But I've done virtually nothing other than the Google business profile, and he's crushing it. And so we're, you know, we're doing some tax lien stuff this year with him, and we're looking at one of those properties as a mobile home park. And, you know, on that one, I was like, yo, me and this other guy will bring money. We'll be 25, 25. You take 50, and you run everything. Um and that to me is like the perfect win because it's like, I know this guy's going to crush it. It's in my market. I still have a controlling interest in it. You know, between me and the other guy, we can still veto. Um, I don't have to do anything. And that's pretty sweet. Yeah. The ones where you're, yeah, helping on a, a portion of the deal, not like, hey, I'm, you're the full-time guy that's improving the property, managing it, um, execution. You know, a lot of it is the back end initial setup, um, you know, the financing, the, you know, those different parts of it where, yeah, maybe you're not a controlling member, but you kind of get to do your work on the front end and then let it ride with these guys that are running, you know, operating it. Uh, that make that makes a lot of sense. Do you have a preference on, you know, it sounds like you, you know, you're doing some mobile home parks, some apartment residential. I mean, do you have a leaning towards, yeah, I like to be in residential or I like to be in commercial uh, type of properties or is it just, you know, the, the right deal? Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I always joke. People are like, what kind of investor are you? And I'm like, uh, buy and hold. And they're like, okay, what do you buy and hold? Yes. Like, you know, the only reason I don't own a self storage unit or a mobile home park is because we fell out of contract for, uh, really legitimate reasons, right? Like when you go to buy a mobile home park, you probably saw this one actually. It's right next to what Wes used to own, like right on the Sparta Ozark line. Uh, it's like 15, 14, 15 mobile homes. Uh, but there was room to build like three, two or three more rows. And so we were like, oh, heck yeah. Like if nothing else, we'll throw some storage on it, like whatever. Um, and then it needed like $200,000 worth of septic or something. I'm like, ah, never mind. This does not work anymore. But, you know, so I mean, we own the, Man, I'm a hodgepodge. I've got a ton of residential swell. I've sold most of the stuff that wasn't renovated in the last two and a half years. 
So I'm down to like eight or nine residences. And then uh, two apartments, a hotel, and an RV park is like my like Springfield kind of hubbub. Uh, and then the the seventy grand that we're bringing to all these tax liens, we're hoping we'll buy like another twenty houses. Um, and I know people hear that and they're like, "That's nuts!" But twenty houses. So you said 20, seventy grand, twenty houses. Yeah, like twenty crack houses, right? Like these are these are like people who don't pay taxes. We'll probably buy twenty tax liens. We'll probably end up with like ten of them that stick around, and they won't be nice houses, but they'll do what they need to do, um, and they'll be good returns. So. You know, that's a weird taxing game. But I, I wouldn't say that I'm, I don't know, man. It, it goes back and forth because I, I would tell you, like, for the last few months, I've been very much like, what I really want to do is I want to get into development. I want to build a freaking tower in Springfield. Like, I, Springfield is at a point where, like, you know, the first two floors are retail, 30 or 40 stories of condos, restaurant on top, and then rooftop pool bar. Um, like, we're at the point where we could sustain that. Every high-end professional or rich college kid would live in that building. It'd be we'd smoke JQH uh, towers, which is just yep. trash anyway. Right now, nobody can even rent the top floor of it, which is almost hilarious. Um, if it wasn't so pathetic, it would be hilarious. But it's like the dude the dude lost his access to the parking garage, so nobody can rent the top floor because there's not enough parking spaces for the building. I'm like, my gosh, guys, like build a freaking underground garage like the rest of the world. What, what were you thinking? Right. But, um. Right. So I really want to chase that tail and get into like the development side in Springfield. But then I'm like, we're in the perfect like sub two environment. So I'm also still like, I'm pulling Zillow and I'm like, all right, what's past 90 days? Like, oh, you want $200,000 and no one's bought your house? I'll give you 220 if you finance it for 40 years. You know, like that's kind of where I'm, where I'm playing right now is I want to see what's up with that and see if I can just snag some even full market value or over properties. And if I get them on a decent enough term, like, hey, you're on a two and a quarter rate, I'll double it. I'll pay 5%. Um, you know, I can cash flow that or at least break even and hold on to it while I just bet on Springfield. So I'm trying to do that in like the southern side of the town. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, yeah, that's interesting because I know a lot of people are, you know, still scared. I mean, there's people that are always going to be scared of, of the market and the economy and different things, but they're like, okay, high interest rates, I'm going to hold off. Or maybe I'm going to back down from the volume I was doing and, and these different things. Are you seeing sub subject to as like your, you know, the primary method people could pick up if they're afraid to just go the traditional routes of, you know, doing these flips or burrs or long-term investments because of the interest rate environment? Yeah, I think it's a great play right now. I, I, and to be fair, I haven't actually closed anything sub two yet. Every time I've gone to close sub two, there's been like something that came up and I've either ended up taking it as a creative, you know, seller finance or I've just bought it cash and then refied. Um, I don't know why my luck seems to be that way. There's always some crazy issue with me sub twoing. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, sub two just means uh, buying, basically saying like, hey, Lincoln, you have a two and a quarter interest rate on this house. I'm going to take over your payments, and then on top of that, I'll give you X, Y, Z, um, or a down payment, or however that wants you want that to work. Uh, and so, what? Why we're in such a perfect environment for that right now is is I'm not entirely convinced. Everybody's convinced that the it, real estate market is just going to implode, and everybody's going to lose their shirt, and then there's going to be all these great deals. We're fifty percent under median home price, or forty percent under median home price for the nation. Like people are moving here to avoid the cost of living elsewhere. So I feel like we're pretty well insulated. And then I'm not convinced that the real estate market's going to just implode. If anything, it's not going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. That's going to be, you know, whether that's the automotive industry or or businesses in general or just unemployment. But I don't think real estate's not, real estate will probably be a lagging factor for an econ economic reset rather than a leading factor like it was in 2008. And so when you're talking about like buy, like people can't really buy anywhere else. There's no inventory. So that, that's the bigger issue that I see is the inventory issue. And Springfield is one of those places you can still build. So that's nice. But the other side to that coin is let's say somebody does need to move and they've got a two and a half percent interest rate locked for 30 years. You know, I'm convinced when rates, if rates do go down, prices are going to go up. Like they did not budge when they raised rates. And everybody thought like, oh, this is going to tank real estate values. It didn't. 
So either it's going to stay put or it's going to swing up again when they lower rates, if they lower rates. So if you can lock stuff in at a decent rate, and you know, if you buy a $200,000 house and they're on a two and a quarter, two and a half percent, 30 year fix, their payment is like a thousand bucks a month. And if I pay 5%, my payment might be like 1250 a month, but that $200,000 house will still rent, you know, depending on where it is in town, it'll still rent for 1500, 2000. I can hold that. And then it's going to go up in value. And if it swings hard the other way, when rates drop, we'll go up in value a lot. And if it doesn't, when's the last time Springfield saw more than like a 10% dip? I mean, even in 08, we saw like what, six, I think five or 6% dip. Like it's, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty bullish on things, right? That's and I I definitely take a similar position of obviously there's going to be markets that are experiencing way more appreciation and you know these crazy dramatic increases and they are seeing you know uh, a percentage loss in the value of the properties you know that's going on you know as we speak and has been for the last little bit but yeah Springfield you know year over year has has maintained. Um, if not even, you know, even slightly still increased. So you, you look at that, you look at the average, um, home price, like you're saying here versus nationwide, the amount of people still moving into the area businesses. I mean, I was talking to a guy at the chamber of commerce last week and he's like, we don't have enough industrial space. He's like, we have people wanting to move their businesses in, but we don't have the space for it. So he's like, if you see any deals that come up available for that, let me know. I've got people that want to buy. So it's a good sign that, yeah. Things are moving here. Things are growing, and and you know rents are still low compared to you know national averages. I've got friends that are moving back here after you know they went to college. They moved uh, to these you know to Dallas to uh, you know Chicago. These different places. They're moving back because they can get a crazy place here for the same rents uh, for for much less you know rent than they're paying there. So there's a lot of things going on in this area that are attractive to continue to, to invest your money. And so it makes sense that you know, that's where you're spending a lot of your time for, for you on the, the kind of content side. I know you started taking that, uh, you know, more seriously a few years ago. Did you ever see yourself kind of getting to the place you're at with it today? I mean, I'm sure this has got to take a good chunk of your time and, you know, and even, you know, some of the income and revenue source, did you ever see this kind of taking place? Uh, you know, when you first started doing it and, uh, to what extent are you looking to take um, just your online presence and and what you're doing with uh, the military community? Yeah, no, I never, uh, never foresaw that this would become my full time gig, um, uh, and probably the more fulfilling gig. I mean, it was just the whole community was started because I wanted to learn how to write, and a friend recommended I start a blog. And he was like, write about military, real estate stuff, whatever you're learning. There's not a lot of people who do that. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and then, did, did you go to Glendale? Glendale. Where did you go to school? Oh, I didn't go to Glendale, no. Oh, okay. Do you know Joel Carlton? Man, I should introduce no you. He's your age, and he owns a car, deal, a car dealership down in Nixa. Um, he went to Glendale. Though. Joel Henry? No, Carlton. Uh, yeah. He grew up, he graduated, uh, he would have either graduated in 15 or 16 from Glendale. Um, mm-hmm. I tried to recruit him and then realized he, like he was the guy who founded cars and coffee in town. Um, okay. And, yeah. and then, uh, anyway, so he owns a used car dealership, but, uh, down in Nixa, right by the big whiskeys. And like, whenever this started, I sent a bunch of URLs out like, Oh, these are all the names I'm thinking of. And everybody was like, those are terrible. And then Joel came out of nowhere. He's like, what about military millionaire? That's catchy. And I was like, that is catchy. And then he helped me buy the domain for Military to Millionaire because the other one's actually taken. Although that guy's never done anything with it. I don't know why he won't sell it to me. Not salty at all. I've tried to buy that domain for three years now. Um, he won't even respond to my emails either. It's like... That's frustrating. It's like, man, like, tell me why you don't want to sell me this domain. You keep renewing it. And I'm offering you more than it's worth. But anyway. Uh, the name was catchy. And people kind of started following along and then it just like, it grew. I mean, I remember distinctly would have been like mid 2020 Facebook group had been averaging like 50 to hundred new members a week. And then it went to 50 a day. And like in the time of like one month, they went to 50 a day, hundred a day, 200 a day. At one point we were at like 300 new members. Like I couldn't keep up with the members. At one point I had like 2000 people pending to join the group and it had been like mm. four days or a week. And I was like, what in the world? Um, 
So I had to hire a VA just to help with that. And then, uh, you know, it just kind of kept rolling. Um, and again, like, you know, mid 2020, 2021, I was like, oh shoot, this is a business. I need to treat this as such. And at first it had just been like content was the thing, like that content was the business, which is what helped me grow. Now it's, you know, content unfortunately kind of takes a back seat and I'm trying to bring that back front and center. Um, but yeah, man, I, I want to grow. I mean, I really want to, want to grow, um, uh, as far as the content I'm putting out, but then also just the community because, um, you know, like for example, the, within the, like the whole community is open to anyone, right? It's free. It's whatever. But there's one piece, like a paid membership mastermind that's only open to service members and vets. I don't even allow like spouses in there. And, uh, which actually wasn't my decision. My group was vetoed. I tried to let Hugh Carnahan in and they were, and he was a Navy spouse and they were like, no, it was like 44 to nothing. It was unanimous. Like, nope, we don't want spouses. I was like, okay, all right. Just people who actually served, which creates a very close knit community. And then like, it's just crazy because it's like, it's not that expensive and people's people are jumping in and then changing their lives. You know, like somebody joined two months ago and he's already uh, privately invested in a deal and he's under contract on his first actual house for himself. And it's like that kind of stuff. And so like, that's just so fulfilling, you know? Um, so I'm like, why would I not want to grow that? I mean, it's more fulfilling. It's more fun. I get to meet all these incredible people. I get to host events in random places. Like we're doing Denver in February. Uh, haven't even announced that to the group yet. So, um, and then, uh, yeah, so I kind of realized like two years ago as I was leaning into this was like, I can make $10,000 with real estate all day. I can also make $10,000, you know, helping 10 people buy real estate. And one of those, there's fulfillment, appreciation, community, all the like non-monetary benefits and I mean, I don't know, you've been a real estate guy for a while. You ever had a tenant thank you for taking their rent money? Like, hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, people thank me <laughs> all the time for letting them be a member of this group. And so it's like, I don't know, it's, it's you know, if I'm going to make 10 grand, I'd rather do it in a way that is fulfilling. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of why I've been leaning that way. Yeah. And it's so cool to hear that because, and it, I know you could, you take it seriously and, you know, putting time and energy into these groups and masterminds and helping people truly find success, you know, for themselves in, in investment in real estate. And it's neat how you're able to, you know, at the same time as you're going up, uh, you know, kind of creating a brand for yourself and connections and network, you're helping others along the way, because there's a lot of people out there that have their own kind of personality. It's them. Let me show you, share what I'm doing. And that's great. But the environment that you've created, um, especially, you know, with that Facebook group, it sounds like, uh, is just is just huge, and the wins that are there, and the success success stories, and all of that. Um, for you, when it comes to goals, uh, are you kind of like a a five to ten year kind of guy? Like this is what I know I want to do in that time frame. Or are you more like year by year? This is what I want to accomplish. How do you kind of break down the goals that you're looking to achieve? Yeah, I'm the worst at this, and I'm trying to fix it. Uh, I didn't have like real goals set for the brand at all. You know, my goal was like $5,000 a month in cash flow. Check. Um, and that's kind of, you know, I didn't have brand goals at all because A, I wasn't, I wasn't really planning on it being, you know, what it is, right? Like we talked about. But the other thing is it's moved so fast that I never would have, like if, if you had sat me down like five years ago and been like, hey, I know you want to make five grand a month passively, but what if you could make 30 grand a month almost passively and help a crap load of people? And I would have been like, ha yeah, that sounds cool. Um, right. I wouldn't have been able to wrap my head around it. And yet, you know, we've helped in the last three years, uh, vets buy a hundred million dollars worth of houses with the VA loan. Right. And I'm licensed. So I get a 25% cut of that. It's I've made $350,000, in the last three years, making an introduction to an agent and then sitting back and waiting to see if they close because the agents are top notch and they know what they're doing and then lenders and vice versa. Um, and I'm, I mean, that's like the most fulfilling thing in the world is seeing these people be like, Hey, you saved me. Like we literally saved a girl from foreclosure in, uh, or she was going to fire sell, uh, like a $50,000 loss in Florida. And I introduced her to my buddy who's a agent and a Navy SEAL. And he sold it. He They got it out of, like, under contract with the agent she was with who was terrible. And they had it listed and sold, 
Like it was under contract four days after it went live. Um, you know, like that's super, super, super cool. And to be a part, and all I was was an introduction. And then I got a check, you know, not a huge check, but it's a decent sized check, you know, as a thank you. And the best part of all that is the person I introduced doesn't even know because it doesn't come out of their pocket. You know, it, it may be that one. Yeah, actually, that's the one listing. So, but all the buyers, it comes out of the listing side. And so the listing agent pays their agent and I get a small piece of that and everybody wins. Um, and then the mastermind income and all that. But like most of that's automated now with an assistant and a CRM. And so I spend, I mean, most of my time now trying to figure out like what's next. Mm-hmm. Right. Where do you take it from here? And yeah, like you're saying, it's one of those things. Yeah. You may not have seen it coming. So now it's a matter of, okay, how can I maximize this for the majority, you know, for the most people's benefit to help out the people that are already in this community that, you know, have all gathered, you know, to, to figure out how to improve and take the next step. And, and it's neat how you can do that a lot of the time by just sharing what you've got going on, right? Here are the deals that I'm working on. Here are the things that I'm learning. I'm just going to share this with you. And so it, it creates a neat environment where they feel like they get to know you as a, as a person, but at the same time, it's helping them learn specific strategies for how to go and invest in real estate and such. And, you know, like you've been talking with the, the sub two, I know that's going to help a lot of people of like, well, how am I supposed to, you know, pay these super high rates and I can't get this deal to pencil out and work. Just switch the deals you're looking for, go try something different. And, you know, that's what you get to do day to day is just both sides of both sides of that. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, keep, yeah. Keeps you sharp. Well, I wanted to, I want to go into uh, asking you the four questions that we ask each guest here, Dave. So uh, the first one, uh, what is one of the best pieces of advice that you have been given? <laughs> Ironically, it is to watch where you take advice. So mm. this has actually been like a stick that I've probably said on every podcast for the last six months. So anyone who follows me around is sick of hearing it, but the idea that everybody has their opinion and advice, you have to be able to filter that through the lens of, does this person have what I want to have or have they achieved what I want to achieve? But in this specific area, so your pastor has great spiritual, you know, whatever, but maybe he's terrible with money. So would you listen to him about money? Probably not. You know, the, the perfect example that I give for this is like, even if they have your best interest at heart, it doesn't mean they're the right person to listen to. So you wouldn't ask somebody who's been divorced how to stay married and you wouldn't ask somebody who's married how to get divorced, right? Like if they've never done the other thing. And yeah, the, the best example of this is like if you picture your mom, right? Like your mom loves you unconditionally, whatever, right? Like you're, or it, if it's not your mom for those listening and whatever, like somebody, pick someone in your life who, who loves you and they, they want the best for you. Uh, mom is usually the one that's easiest to visualize. But if I want to become a professional UFC fighter, I'm not going to hire my mom to train me because she's never fought. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go hire like Ray Longo as a striking coach, Matt Sarah for jujitsu, like whatever, right? Whoever these like the right person is the best of the best, you know, because that's their area of expertise. They've achieved what I want to achieve and they know what they're doing. So my mom might tell me, Hey, I really think you should do this to get into the UFC. That's great. I'm not going to listen to it. I mean, like she has my best interest at heart, but she's the wrong person to listen to. And that in that context, everybody's like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like, why would I hire an NFL coach to become a good baseball player? But then all of a sudden you're like, I want to get into real estate. And your mom's like, don't buy houses. It's scary. And you're like, oh, you know what? She's right. She's never owned a house, but she knows what she's talking about. Like, no, go listen to the dude who owns 100 rental properties. Go listen to the guy worth $180 million. Go listen to, you know, the guy who's flying around on a jet to buy his next development. Like, whatever, right? Like, that's who you follow. Whatever niche you want to get in. Like, you want to learn wholesaling? Go network with Lincoln. You know, don't, don't come network with me because I didn't like it. I mean, I did all right at it. I can still teach you about it, but I, uh, I just don't, it's not my favorite version of investing because it's, it's more active than I want to be involved. Um, yep. so Lincoln's way better at it than I ever was. So go talk to him, you know, don't ask Lincoln. I mean, maybe, maybe Lincoln's a closet UFC fighter, but don't ask Lincoln how to become a UFC fighter unless he is, you know, even if he's your best friend, he's still doesn't, you know, anyway, so that I could go on and on and on and on. Wrong answer is surround yourself with the right freaking people and you'll be all right. You're not going to get fat right. working out in a gym full of skinny people, like full of, you know, pro bodybuilders. No, that, that's exactly it. Cause you, 
maybe you have these moments of, okay, you know what? I'm going to take my financial path seriously. I'm going to invest in real estate or I'm going to invest in something, right? But then they go back to the same people that they've already surrounded themselves with and they get those, you know, limiting beliefs, those those scared answers of, ah, yeah, but you know, so-and-so did that and they lost money or, you know, you, you do that and you're going to have to be dealing with tenants the rest of your life. You know, you're just talking to the wrong people. So I think, yeah, who you get the advice from, like you're saying, absolutely, that's huge. Uh, number two then, uh, what is one of your favorite business books? You know, I'm going to go with the one that I'm currently reading, actually, because it's been pretty beneficial. And that's the, I don't know if you've read this one yet, but it's the new, uh, it's Ben Hardy and Dan Sullivan, the 10X is easier than 2X. It's kind of kind of been going all over the place online right now. Uh, but there's a reason, like it's a pretty powerful book about really just learning how to get rid of the things that don't serve you and work on, like lean into your strengths. Mm, good. Yeah, I got got that one on the list. I have been hearing about that. Kind of give that a read. Uh, the third one then, what is one character trait you notice that successful people commonly share? I mean, it comes by a lot of names, but consistency. I mean, you could call it grit. You could call it discipline. You could call it whatever, but just consistency. I don't know very many people who've succeeded, you know, off winning the lottery or whatever, right? It just takes, like, building wealth is easy. It just takes time and consistency. You know, it's not Martin. It's anybody can do it. I don't care what you're, you know, you hear all the excuses. I'm like, cool, man. I get it. Yeah. When I was an enlisted dude who had a negative net worth and I made like $30,000 a year, um, I still figured it out. So like small, consistent actions compound over time. Absolutely. Well, number four then is just simply where can people connect with you? Uh, Maybe some shout outs to the different places that they can follow along and, you know, even, uh, you know, some of those groups and such. Yeah. The easiest is, uh, I love this link, <laughs> the best podcast guest.com. And if you go there, you can get a free download of my book and you can also connect with all my social media. It's all listed right there. So very nice. Very nice. Well, Dave, I appreciate it. Um, really neat hearing about just the thousands, tens of thousands of people that you are helping on the military uh, side, getting into real estate and investing. Uh, it's super cool to see how not only can you grow and benefit yourself from putting that out there uh, for people to watch, but just the the culture you've created. I think a lot of people can can learn from that in whatever sphere of life that they're in, you know, to help the people in their community um, and, and everybody can win. So uh, really neat hearing about that. And I appreciate your time and, and coming on the Growth Circle podcast here. Thanks for having me, brother. Glad we finally got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you all for tuning in to this episode. If you found value from it, like I did, please leave us a rating and review. It will help us out tremendously, and we will catch you on the next one.